Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. About 30 years ago now, I was uh, with a mate of mine in Cairns, and we decided we wanted to go whitewater rafting. And uh, we found a brochure and it said foaming fury on it. And as 19-year-olds, we thought, that sounds like fun. We want some foaming fury. And uh, we rang them in the days when you had to ring people. And uh, we, we said, hey, we'd love to go whitewater rafting tomorrow. Have you got space for us? They said, they said, we're not going rafting tomorrow, but we're going whitewater kayaking. We think you guys would like it much more, but it's actually a staff training day. We're training eight staff, uh, but you two guys would be welcome to come with us if you like, but you'd be the only guests on the trip. We said, sounds like fun. Uh, we jumped on board, got on the bus the next day, and the, tra- the trip from the bus to the rainforest, they told us every horror story imaginable about every broken bone from every rafting trip that they'd ever been on. As we got off the bus, we weren't sure whether we really wanted to do this anymore, but we were too far in. And so we walked through the rainforest, got to the river, and they threw an inflatable kayak at me and Michael and said, here's your kayak, pump it up. And I said to Michael, I don't like the sound of that. It sounds like they're going to put the two of us in a kayak and we've got absolutely no idea what we're doing. And Michael said, don't be stupid. There's 10 staff here. Uh, They're not going to throw the two of us in in a kayak. Well, Michael was wrong and I was right. We pumped up our uh, kayak and they gave us three instructions. They said, put this helmet on your head. In case you do fall out of the kayak and you hit your head on a rock, it'll be good to have a helmet on your head. Then they gave us a life jacket to put on, and they said, in case you hit your head really hard on the rock, you'll at least float with this life jacket on. And then they gave us a paddle each, and they said, hold on to this paddle for dear life, and do not let it go. You've got to hold on to it all day and never let it go. They were actually the only three things I already knew how to do, but they were the only three instructions that they gave us. And we jumped in our kayak and we started paddling down the river. And for the first 10 minutes or so, it was easy. We're just meandering along. And we're just kind of floating down the the river and just paddling away. And actually, it was pretty boring. There was no foaming fury and we're a little bit disappointed. Then we went around a bend and the river changed its tune. And the river got narrower and the water moved faster and there's rocks everywhere. And we are just paddling relentlessly for 10 minutes. We did not stop just trying to avoid rocks, stay afloat. But after 10 minutes, we were, go- we were tired, but we were going okay. And I turned to Michael and I said, we're good at this. We, we might actually make the Olympic kayaking team. You know, we've got some talent here. And then they instructed us to to paddle in to this calm bay with still water. And we we paddled in and we had something to eat to replenish our bodies. And we looked at what was ahead. And what was ahead was like nothing we'd seen before. It was a foaming fury. It was just water and rocks. And in the distance, we could see the water going over a waterfall. 
And while we're in the calm bay, they're giving us instructions as to what to do. They said, you're in the back. You've got to do most of the steering. When you get to that rock, you've got to paddle really hard to the left. When you're at that rock, you've got to dig your paddle into the right. So you go through that channel. That rock over there is called kiss your backside goodbye rock. If you go around the wrong side of that rock, you know what you're going to be doing. You won't be coming home with us. Anyway, I jumped in, following the instructions. I'm paddling really hard to the left, digging into the right, got to the second rock. I had no idea what to do next. I'd totally forgotten all of the instructions. We got to the waterfall and we got to that rock and we went round the wrong side of that rock and we're wedged on it, looking over the waterfall, going backwards. And at that point, I threw my paddle over the waterfall. That thing we were supposed to hold on to and not let go. And I started climbing out of the kayak. I decided it was time to escape and I'm climbing onto the rock. At that point, Michael, who still had his paddle, just started hitting me over the head with his paddle. I was glad I had my helmet on at that point. It was the only thing that hit my head all day was his paddle. All of the instructors are screaming at us to stay in the kayak. Eventually, my fear calmed down. I climbed back in the kayak. We went over the waterfall backwards. We lived to tell the tale, and we never made the Olympic kayaking team. (laughs) And sometimes in life, we're just kind of meandering along. We kind of know what's going to happen next, and life's pretty simple. But I'm not sure that any of us have had a life like that in the last two years. There hasn't been much meandering. There hasn't been much routine and simple and everything's just the same. There's been constant change. There's other times in life where life just feels relentless. It just feels like we're constantly working. We're constantly keeping our head above water and it's relentless and we get tired. And maybe that's what this last season's felt like for you. And then there's other times when life takes a turn and it actually starts to feel like the world's spinning out of control. You actually get so fearful of the future. You actually get so worried about what's to come that you want to escape. You, You want to get out. You just want God to click his fingers and make it all go away in an instant. You want to escape. And I don't know what this season's been like for you. I don't know if you kind of feel like your heart is meandering along or whether it feels a bit relentless or whether this has been a season where it's frustrating. Constant change is frustrating. Not knowing the future is worrying. It feels like everything's just changing all the time. Things are spinning out of control. And, you know, you just want God to click his fingers so we can just all escape. And everything could be comfortable again. Whatever it is, whatever season you're going through right now, God's got two words to say to all of us. Be still. A few more words. Be still and know that I am God. You see, we're not the first ones to go through a season like this. You know, 
two and a half thousand years ago or more actually, 3,000 years ago. People were going through seasons like this and God knew there'd be more seasons in the future. And so he got a group of guys called the Sons of Korah to write a song about what to do when it feels like the world's spinning out of control, when it feels like you're in a foaming fury, when it feels like nations are in uproar, when it feels like the mountains are surging and then, and then everything is changing around you. They wrote a song and it's called, it's in the Bible, it's called Psalm 46. So I'm going to read it uh, to us this morning. I think there's an important message in it for us in this season. It says, God is our refuge and he's our strength. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains even fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. Because there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. But he lifts his voice and the whole earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, God is our refuge. You know, when life gets relentless, we all find refuge in something. Some of us choose to find refuge in a bottle. Others choose to find refuge in binge eating or binge Netflix watching. Some of us find you know, refuge in online shopping or some of us simply find refuge online. Sometimes online porn. Sometimes it's gaming and technology. It's just escaping into a refuge, a make-believe world. For others, you know, it's finding refuge in exercise. For some, it's finding refuge in just being away from people and isolating ourselves. Now, not all of those things are bad. Some of them are, but they're all just temporary refuges. They're temporary comforts. And what we find is if that's the only refuge that we're running to, it's never enough. It actually keeps coming up short and we need something more to sustain us. And what God is saying in this song is that he is our refuge when life is relentless. Now, refuge is a word that we understand really clearly now. It's a place of protection, a place of shelter. You know, it's a place where we're safe. But for the people reading this song for the first time, as soon as they heard that word refuge, they would have understand, they would have immediately thought about a city of refuge. 
You see, they lived in a pretty tough justice system at the time. It was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. If you gouge someone's eye out, your eye was coming out soon too. If you knock someone's tooth out playing footy, you might as well ring the dentist, book in an appointment because your tooth was coming out soon too. If you killed someone, there was no trial by jury. There was no fancy defence lawyer. What happened was the family of the person that you killed would appoint a blood avenger. It sounds like a cool name for a heavy metal band, but there was nothing cool about having a blood avenger hot on your heels. Their role was to chase you down relentlessly until they caught you and they, could, they would put you to death and they would avenge the blood of their family member. They'd make you pay for your sins. It was a tough justice system. But God's always been a God of mercy and grace. Not just in the New Testament, in the Old Testament too, he's a God of mercy and grace. So what he did in the midst of this justice system was he created six cities of refuge dotted around where the people of Israel lived. And so if you had a blood avenger on your heels and you, the, the killing was an accident, you'd been chopping wood, your axe head had flown off, accidentally hit your mate in the head, no intent, it was a complete accident and you had a blood avenger hot on your heels, the smartest thing to do would be to run as fast as you could to a city of refuge. And the law said that when you got there, they had to, by law, open their doors to you and let you into their city and protect you. And if you got through those doors, you could take a breath. You were protected. And you got a chance to present your case to the high priest. And as the high priest heard your case, and they decided this truly was an accident, they would pronounce you not guilty and you were safe to stay in that city of refuge and that blood avenger could not track you down. But when the high priest died, you were free to go home. You were safe and you were free to go back to your property. You were free to receive your rightful inheritance, all that was yours. There's a lot about the city of refuge in the, the Old Testament law, but just let me read this, this verse in Numbers 35. It says, The accused must stay in the city of refuge until the death of the, say this with me, till the death of the high priest. Only after the death of the high priest may they return to their own property. You've got to remember this is written 1,400 years before Jesus. God had weaved this story throughout all of history because he knew what he was going to do. People, we have a great high priest. We have a great high priest who died. We have a great high priest who died to avenge 
our sin. He died in our place. We have a high priest who paid for our sins. He shed his blood so that we would be separated from death, that we would not be separated from the living God forever. When we confess our sins to our great high priest, he says, not guilty. And when the high priest, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, died on the cross and shed his blood, we were free We were free to go home, free to be in His presence forever, free to receive our rightful inheritance that will never perish, never spoil, never fade. We have a great high priest and we can run into His arms at any time. He is our refuge. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. Can someone say an amen? Jesus is good news. Sometimes I read... This incredible story that God has weaved together with all different authors from all different nations throughout all different centuries and see the way that it all points to Jesus and just gives me confidence that this world is not spinning out of control. God knows what he's doing and he calls us to be still and to find refuge in him when life is relentless. God's saying, I'm like that city of refuge. You can run into my arms at any time and you can take a breath. I'll protect you. I'll keep you safe. Stop running after temporary refuges. Stop running after temporary comforts that will never give you what you need. God is our refuge and he's our ever-present. I love that hyphenated word. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. You see, God is not just dotted around in six convenient villages, you know, know, around the country. He's our ever-present help in times of trouble. We can run into his arms anytime, any place, in any storm, in any season. It's like paddling, you know, into that still calm bay in the raging river and and he restores and replenishes our soul and he gives us instructions about how to navigate the season ahead. He says, I'm your refuge when life is relentless. He says, I'm your refuge, I'm your ever-present help in times of trouble and I'm your strength. He says, I'm stronger than whatever has you scared. Let me just read a couple of more verses here. It says, therefore, we will not fear. Because of his strength, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, we will not fear. When it feels like the world's spinning out of control, we will not fear because God is stronger than whatever has you scared. This has been a season of just so much fear. I remember when I was in about year eight of high school in the mid-80s, and there was a lot of talk about nuclear war, nuclear disarmament. And I remember there's been a lot of fear around the place, a lot of, a lot of people worried about what was going to happen into the future. From then until now, I just don't think I've ever walked through a season where I've just seen so much fear around me. And fear for all different reasons. People sitting on different sides of the fence and got different opinions about what the government is and isn't doing and what, how we should tackle all of this. 
Both sides got fear. Everyone just seems to be, you know, just living from out of a place of fear. God's saying, I'm stronger than whatever has you scared. You know, when you're sitting at the top of a waterfall and you're looking down to the unknown on what might happen, it's scary. Some of you are going through a season in your marriage or your family right now where it's, it's kind of got you scared and, and, and your answer is, like it was for me at the top of that waterfall, I want to escape. I want to climb out. I want out of this now. It's not the answer. God's saying, I'm stronger than the unknown in your future. There's others of you here and there's a calling on your life. There's a calling. God's calling you into the future. This, this season has been a reset moment and God's been confirming some of the things he's got for your future. But right now you feel paralyzed by fear because of the unknown. You know, what will happen? Can I really do it? Am I really good enough? Will I have what it takes? And it's kind of paralyzed you with fear. If you had spoken to that 19-year-old boy sitting on top of that waterfall, climbing out because he was scared, you know what I would have said my greatest fear was? Speaking in public. At 19, it was the thing that stopped me from going to Bible college for about two years. I was just so scared of what it would mean to have to speak in public. The ridiculous thing is 30 years later, it's the thing that brings me greatest joy. I have the privilege of leading this great church and, and leading a great movement of churches in Queensland. And I do it because it is a privilege and I believe God's called me to it. But the thing that I actually love, the thing that just kind of brings me joy is this. Stand in front of people, opening God's word and pointing people to Jesus. That's the thing I love. But fear almost robbed it from me. Can I just encourage you? Not all of us are supposed to speak in public. That's not my point. But all of us have got a unique calling on our lives to serve Jesus in this world, to reach out to the poor and the needy and those that are desperate for hope and healing. And some of us, we're looking at the future and it's unknown and we're kind of paralyzed by fear. And 2022 is a year to actually stop trying to escape and start walking towards what God's got for your future because God is stronger than whatever has you scared. But God's not just a God up there distant that we can look to and go, okay, you're stronger, God. You're up there. You're bigger than what's happening right in front of me. God's a God who's come close. God's a God who comes and inhabits. He comes and lives in us. You see, God's not just stronger than what's got you scared, but he's actually your source of strength. He's your inner source of strength. Keep reading a couple more verses here in Psalm 46. It says, there's a river. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice. The earth melts. There's a river that God has given that makes glad the city of joy. You see what people back then were most scared of when they were in a, a storm, when they had a, another nation attacking them, when nations were in uproar, the things that they were most scared of, it wasn't actually the spear and the javelin and the bow. 
See, they'd lock themselves in their cities and they'd put up, you know, their, their, their gates and they'd, they felt safe in their walled cities. But what they were really afraid of was the attacking army would block off their water supply. Because without water, you die. You see, you can go without food for 40 days and survive. Put your hand up if you've gone without food for more than 40 hours in, since Christmas. Oh, a couple have. Well, I certainly haven't. It's been a time of feasting. I know there's some in isolation right now that are feasting right now. But it's physically possible. You can go with 40 days without food and most of us will survive. You can actually go 10 days without sleep. Not a good idea. I don't recommend it. Some of you young parents in the room or little kids are going, oh, I feel like I've done that in the last 10 days. But you can actually go 10 full days without sleep and you will survive. It's been scientifically proven. It's not good for you, but you'll survive. My son went for a whole week without changing his undies. <laughs> and he survived. He wanted me to assure you that he was eight. But he had some Spider-Man undies that he really loved. He didn't want to take them off. We were driving across the Simpson Desert. And we had to really conserve our water. But he didn't change his undies. Just put your hand up if you haven't changed your undies for seven days and survived. No, <laughs> don't tell me. You see, you can only go for about three days without water, and you'll die. Water is essential to life. This is what God's saying in this psalm. He says, I'm a river that will never run dry. I'm a river that will make glad the city of joy. I'm going to bring you life and no one will cut off the life and the strength, the joy that I've come to give you. You see, most of us know how to replenish our physical bodies. Most of us over-replenish our physical bodies. But many of us let our spiritual tanks run dry. We forget to nourish our soul. We just keep running through life and sometimes running through life, doing really good things, just helping people, serving people, ministering to people, caring for our family. We forget to replenish our soul. And God's saying, I'm your source of strength. Come to me. I want to give you life-giving water. Jesus needed to do this. You know, Jesus spent his whole life expending himself on behalf of people. He spent his whole life reaching out to people who were going through relational storms, financial storms, spiritual storms, physical storms. Everywhere he went, he ministered to them. He, he cared for the poor. He, he fed the hungry. He welcomed the lonely. He continually expended himself on behalf of people. And none of us are supposed to follow Jesus by putting our faith in him and just waiting until we die and get to heaven. We're supposed to do the same things that Jesus is doing. But you see what Jesus does? He would expend himself on behalf of people who were walking through a storm and then he would withdraw and be still with his father. His father would lead him beside still waters and give him instructions about the future, would restore his soul. 
so he could continue to minister to those in need. I tell you, this is a season. God's not looking for strong people, but he's looking for people to be strong because he wants to give you strength. God's never looking throughout the world for going, where's the strong people who can serve me? He's looking around the world for, for people that are available, for people that are humble, for, for people who are saying, God, I need you to give me the strength to actually serve people in this way. He's looking for people to give strength to. And right now your family needs you to be strong. If you've got kids running off the rails, if your marriage is just held in together by a thread, God is not calling you to escape. He wants to give you strength to endure, strength to see it through, strength to forgive, strength to reconcile, strength to give wisdom. Our world needs us to be strong. There is so much need out there. There is so many people in need of healing, so many people that are hurting, so, so many people that are lonely. Our world needs you to know the strength of the Holy Spirit. Keep blessing those in need and then we're drawing to find strength. Every year I talk about my milk crate. I'm going to do it again this year, start of the year. This is where I go to be still with God. And some of you over the years have said, do you know you're stealing these milk crates from a milk company? And I felt mildly guilty about it. I was telling the story at a men's camp for another church last year and in the congregation was a guy who owns a company who makes milk crates. He sent me a supply. <laughs> They're mine. I haven't stolen them from anybody. And you're not going to steal them from me. I've got a spot where I go and sit and I be still with God every day. And I want to encourage you in 2022, because I know it'll change your life if you do it. Find 22 minutes a day to be still with God. You see, to be still means to stop doing one thing and to start doing another. So it means to stop just running life at a relentless pace. It means to stop running away from what's got you scared. You know, it, it means to stop running to temporary refuges that are never enough and run into the arms of God. There's something you've got to stop doing and there's something different you've got to start doing. You've got to start being still and know that I am God. There's something you've got to stop doing, something you've got to start doing. There's also something you've got to stop knowing and something you've got to start knowing. You see, if you're sitting here thinking that it's all up to me, and it's all about me. And I just got to keep going. You stop following Jesus. Because Jesus is a good shepherd. Psalm 23, it says the good shepherd leads us beside still waters. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. 
And so you've got you to stop thinking one thing and start knowing another thing. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, We don't wage war as the world wages war. You know, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You've got to stop thinking one thing and start knowing another thing. And we take every thought that is against the knowledge of who God is, we take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ. We stop thinking one thing and we start knowing another. Another thing, he says, be still and know that I am God. So you've got to take hold of any thought that is set up against the knowledge of God. You've got to take it captive and you've got to make it obedient to Christ. And so if you're, if you're sitting and, and, and you're thinking that this challenge that's ahead of me, this ministry that God's calling me to is too big and it's too hard for me, then you've got to make that thought obedient to Christ. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, not my strength, his strength to do what he's calling me to do. If you're thinking, man, there's just no hope for the future. There's no hope for my family. There's no hope for my marriage. You know, there's no hope, you know, for my, for my business. There's no hope for my future as a person. I think there's someone here this morning who's had thoughts like that this week. There's no hope for my future. You've got to take that thought and you've got to make it obedient to Christ because it is set up against the knowledge of God. And what this is what God says, that our high priest didn't just die, but he's alive today. 1 Peter 3 verse 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, through, who has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's a living hope, people. It'll never die. There's always hope for your future in Christ. You've got to stop thinking one thing and start knowing another. Then he says, I will be exalted in the nations. I'm going to stand up in just a minute. I'm almost finished. Be still and know that I am God. You've got to stop doing one thing, start doing another. You've got to stop thinking one thing and start knowing another. I'm going to hit a few little raw nerves here. You've got to stop worrying and you've got to start worshipping. He says, I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted over all the earth. We've got to stop whinging about what the government is or isn't doing and start telling the world with the same passion what Jesus has already done. Can I hear an amen this morning? I tell you, I've seen so many Jesus followers getting so much more passionate about speaking up or against the government than I've ever seen them passionate about telling the world about Jesus. Stop worrying, stop whinging, stop worshipping. Stop working yourself into a heap and start worshipping the living Lord. I believe part of the reset that's coming in this season. It's a reset for me, but I think it's a reset for the church. This has been a hard reset for me because I'm an action-oriented person. I love doing stuff. But I believe what God is doing in this season is bringing us back to a place of worship to him before worship for him. 
Worship to him before we work for him. It's a place where our first priority is prayer and worship. I believe he's stirring up a hunger in his church for his presence in prayer and worship. I'm going to talk more about that next week. So I'm not going to talk any more about it today, but I will talk about it next week. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. I will be lifted up. I will be worshipped among the nations. I will be exalted over all the earth. Encourage you this year. Find 22 minutes. Find your own milk crate, your own spot where you're still with God. You know that he is God. You take captive every thought. You make it obedient to Christ. And you exalt him. Like Mary, you sit at his feet and you worship him because it's better. You know, on the last night of Jesus' life at Gethsemane, he knew a storm was coming. And this is where we see the humanity of Jesus more than probably any other time in the Gospels. Jesus in his humanity is afraid and he wants to escape. Jesus cries out a prayer often like we pray, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of this. God, take this from me. Father, if there's any other way, let me escape the cross. And his father says no. But what we see in the Gospels is his father sends an angel from heaven not to help him escape, but to strengthen him to endure. And sometimes our prayers sound a lot like, God, I want to escape. I want this to finish. I want this to end. I want to get out of this right now. And there are times I see appropriate prayer and God just goes, boom. And you see an instantaneous, miraculous move of God. And there are other times where God says, wait, I'm going to give you the strength to endure this storm. I'm going to give you the strength to endure this storm. Just keep walking with me. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.